You are tuned in to the Jackson Hole Connection, sharing fascinating stories of people connected to Jackson Hole. I am truly grateful for each of you for tuning in today. And support for this podcast comes from Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling, bringing the Jackson Hole community residential and commercial food waste composting options. Call 307-733-7678 for more information. I'm going to begin today's episode with a quick thought. Reflect on what scares you, but don't allow it to keep you from living a full life. Acknowledge that you have fears and worries. We all do. It is what makes us human. Talk about them with those people who are close to you. And you will turn those fears into what fuels a gratifying life. We can all live a full, gratifying life, folks. And get out there. Tell people you love them. Tell people you hug them. Let somebody know that they are important to you. And you are listening to episode number 232. And my guest today is Taylor Ann Smith. Taylor Ann is the founder of Ride Force, which is an exciting new clothing company which is building a community of like-minded individuals. Taylor Ann determined that she needed to do something about the clothing for outdoor activities like mountain biking, which she was into. And you know what? So she was going to take action because if Taylor Ann wasn't going to take action, apparently nobody else was. Launching her business while still working a full-time job, Taylor Ann jumped right into the clothing business. While still growing a business and working full-time, Taylor Ann is completely energized from the feedback that the Ride Force fans send to her all the time. You know what? She has not had a single return of any of her products. Everybody, I am certain you will feel energized just like I was while listening to Taylor Ann today. Taylor Ann, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to join me here today at the Jackson Hole Connection. Wonderful to meet you, see you, and be able to have a nice conversation with you. Yeah, you as well, Stefan. Let's jump into what we're going to be talking about, and that's you, Taylor Ann. Um, <laughs> people are excited to learn about you and Ride Force. We'll have you talk about Ride Force in a moment. Let's start off with. Where were you born and raised? I'm not going to say grew up because I think in some ways we're all still growing up. Got an 81-year-old Wyoming dad and he's for sure not grown up. <laughs> I love that perspective. <laughs> so where were you born and raised and how did you land out here in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, Taylor Ann? I say that I am unfortunately from Billings, Montana, the great metropolis of refineries that it is. <laughs> That is where I grew up. I was raised. Um, and then I did a college stint in Atlanta, Georgia, ran out of money, missed the mountains and was like, yeah, let's go back to Montana. But I went uh, back to Bozeman, which is where I finished up with a degree in graphic design and spent eight years after college there working for a design firm up in Big Sky, Montana. Uh, and then I came to Wyoming just on a life reset whim, uh, went through the breakup, wanted a new <laughs> place to be, was looking for jobs. and. There happened to be a creative agency here that was hiring. And I was like, well, Jackson's amazing. And uh, my family's originally all from Wyoming. My family's from Powell. No and, kidding. Yep. Born really? In, my, yeah. My parents are both born and raised in Powell. My mom's family is one of the first 
families to start up a KOA in the area. So they grew up in Clark. And my dad's family is, I think he's like second or third generation Powell. Uh, so Wyoming strong in the family. I've got family in Cheyenne, Lovell, Powell, <laughs> Gillette, anywhere you can think of really. So my parents used to come over here uh, back in the day. My dad's aunt and uncle used to own property on Jackson Lake. So my parents used to come here in the summers all the time. It was always a love of theirs to come here to Jackson. And I only had been here a couple of times. I did a photography class in college down here and I fell in love with it as well. I was like, oh, wow, this is a majestic place. You know, even having grown up around some mountains myself, these mountains felt very different. Uh, I just remember always having a great connection here. And heck, I could come down here and do graphic design and live in this beautiful place. Let's go for it. And that was six years ago now. So made cool. the commitment and now I'm here. <laughs> Let's back up just a little bit because not everybody's familiar with Powell, Wyoming. So yeah. Please share with us where exactly in the state of Wyoming, Powell, Wyoming is, how many people live there, and why would somebody go to Powell, Wyoming to stay at the KOA camp? Oh, man, I've got to remember the name of the mountain range that's over there. My mom would kill me for this. But Powell itself is like 6,000 people, mm -hmm. eastern half of the state. It's about um, from Billings, where I grew up, it's about ooh, like hour-ish, kind of southeast. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's the plains area. That's pretty much a lot of farmland, a lot of nothingness out there, in my opinion. But, um, my dad's family is actually the owners. My family has had a trucking company in our family for over 75 years. Hmm. So it was a really good spot for like all of the oil refineries, trucking. That's kind of how they ended up there. But my mom's side of the family, she was actually originally born in Flint, Michigan. And her dad had the Western dream of being a cowboy. Moved the whole family, her and her five siblings, to Powell, this middle of nowhere, uh, to homestead, basically, to start up a ranch. And they had all these farm animals. She's told me stories of having a pet raccoon and a pet fox. And it was wildly different than growing up in Michigan, where she spent, like, I think about five years old is when she ended up moving. But then, then they had the opportunity to start up uh, a KOA and dude ranching, basically, in Clark, which is, I want to say it's, that's the Grays mountain range, but they, but my mom grew up, um, she was, you know, helping cook and my, her sister, my aunt would run the little shop where you could buy some snacks uh -huh. and get toilet paper and what your, you know, your, your necessities for RVing and camping and whatnot. And, uh, my mom was in charge of like wrangling the horses and helping out on the trail rides and her brothers also helped out. And that's how she grew up in Wyoming, met my dad at Powell High, and they've been together ever since. They're high school sweethearts from Powell, Wyoming. And there's, I would say the only memorable memory I have in Powell when we used to go down there is there's still an old school pizza joint called Hansel and Gretel's. Uh, <laughs> and it's legendary there. <laughs> and they and W. I'll certainly have to make it there with my kids. Yeah. Um, before I met my wife, I had a dog, Flash, at the time, and we did a road trip along Wyoming. He and I did it together. And um, I didn't make it through Powell. I made it through Shoshone. That was made it through Shoshone in Saratoga. That was really cool. Saratoga. I enjoyed that. So there's a lot of cool towns like Powell that I want to go yeah. visit. I also, Have you been to Cody or the Buffalo Bill Museum? I did. I spent a, a good amount of time at the Buffalo Bill Museum. And it's just remarkable. And mm -hmm. it is so cool to see. And Loved it. And I think it's phenomenal that you said as well for people to realize that your family owned land along Jackson Lake. 
And to have owned land around Jackson Lake means pre-park days. And that is a long time ago that somebody would have owned land around Jackson Lake. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to get the exact names and the information for you. I just remember my dad talking about they had they used to go there oh, in those late 70s it was they used to still go up to that property up there on the lake and i don't know mm. why they sold it i'm like why did you sell it <laughs> what you could have now and the access to that sounds incredible but <laughs> well it, i mean a lot of people just gave the access back to the park because then you were just surrounded by the park and mm -hmm. um, you know but in, it was you know the grand teton national park established 1929 so for your family to have held on to it through the 70s is quite impressive Quite impressive. Yeah, I'll have to yeah, yeah double check the like I'm pretty uh, yeah, I'm gonna fact check that for you, but <laughs> he's mentioned like spending time up there on the lake and whatnot. So That's maybe awesome. it was technically in Moran, but still. <laughs> Could be. Yeah. Still good. So <laughs> mm -hmm. you've been here for six years. Mm -hmm. And don't look back, call Jackson Hole your home. Yep. Um <laughs> before the show, you were saying how we have some mutual a mutual friend, Greg. Pennycamp. Um, hello, Greg. Hopefully he will be <laughs> listening in on this. But I met Greg when I first moved here back in the winter of 99 and his him just skiing. I mean, that's what Greg did. And yeah. you get to see his, his parents come out every year and met his, his kids and brother and his sister and brother-in-law. But it just shows that it's a small world in this town. And what is it that keeps you here? What's that magnetic force that draws you in and just won't release for for jackson for you yeah i i quickly learned about the uh the phrase 90 day wonders here <laughs> and quickly was like oh i gotta stick it out past 90 days and that went by so quick and I, I i still can't believe it's already been six years here but a lot of it for me aside from obvious the, how beautiful it is the people the recreation opportunities um it's really been the tenacity of the people that are here it's not easy to live here. It's very expensive. The weather conditions that we deal with, um, we just have a lot of different factors to make it work here. And I have noticed that there's a different caliber of people that stick it out to make it work here. And I really aligned with how hardworking and community focused, conservation focused everybody was here. Like we put in so much effort just on a day to day basis to keep this place what it is and to make sure everybody else feels a part of it. Um, I just really aligned with that. Taylor Ann, so true. It it's not an easy place. And as we saw yesterday along the highway over by Lockhart Ranch, yeah, you know, there's a slide and it covered three lanes of the highway. Hoback has been sliding like crazy. They had a slide that was 14 feet deep. And yeah, uh, sometimes stuff just doesn't make it into town because I-80's closed. It's, yeah. it's all of Wyoming that it takes a certain amount of tenacity and to, to live out here and you're for Wyoming. You're yeah. Wyoming cared. You're Wyoming <laughs> yeah, exactly. individual. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, my friends laugh when I, I sent them that news article, even though it was in um over in Victor or was it in Driggs where there, there was that bear cub that was trying to get in school. Yeah. I was I like, today in Wyoming, <laughs> just, you know, cubs trying to get in school and then we got avalanches in town and then we've got mm -hmm. crazy snowstorms and then, you know, there's just elk and deer running around everywhere. <laughs> It's always something, or the mountain lion that hung out by the gas station. <laughs> oh, oh, was there? Which one? Yeah, like, remember oh, a couple of years Maverick. ago? It was like during the COVID. Yeah, mm -hmm. by the Maverick. Mm -hmm. That's right. You know, it's always something. <laughs> and that bear cub, it died. It didn't survive the tranquilizing. No way. 
Yeah, it was so sad. sad. But it just, it was that malnourished. It was suffering that much that it, it was not able to survive that tranquilization. And they had oh, to remove wow. it. Game and fish had to remove it. Yeah. It just was not a safe place for the bear. It was not a safe place for human interaction. So it was just un unfortunate for, for sure on that. Oh, man. And with that tenacity, you have dug in, you're living here and surviving, and you've now started your own business. And it takes a lot to start your own business. It's when you came up with the idea and started going through the motions, at what point did you ever have a moment that was, oh my gosh, this is a lot, or is this scary? Or what were your feelings and your thoughts during that process? And but also share with everybody, what's the name of your business? Yeah. So I am the owner of Ride Force, which is an inclusive mountain bike apparel brand based here at a Jackson. And everything is made in the U.S., whether that's in, made in Bozeman. A lot of my T-shirts and hats are made up there. And all the jerseys are manufactured in Denver, Colorado. So trying to keep it not only in the U.S., but as much in the Rocky Mountain West as possible, too. Yeah. Imposter syndrome is real. I like to say that this hill is a lot steeper than I expected. I was like, oh, I'm just going to start this brand. and like. I got a lot of friends. People are going to like it. And it's Jackson. Everybody mountain bikes. It'll be great. But it's been a whole nother understanding of marketing and customer acquisition and e-commerce. And I'm doing all the things. I am a sole proprietor. It is me. You email, you text, DM, any of it. It is all me. <laughs> I do all of the marketing, social media, graphic design, web design, all of it. I'm basically taking all of my life forces and learnings and throwing it at this business, which has been a dream project, but also uh, <laughs> it's definitely been difficult. And I've had my moments of like, should I be doing this? What am I doing? Uh, but I just, I got to keep pushing forward. And I, I remind myself that the reason I'm doing it is because I know if, if I'm not going to do it, who else is going to do it? Right. So I got to keep show. I, I've made a very consistent point to think of my business as my best friend. I will never talk negatively about it. I will never not show up for it. And I will never tell it it's not good enough. So if I keep that in mind and be like, you know, if my friend signs me up for a hot yoga class at Immersion, I am showing up at 8 a.m. to do it. <laughs> so it's the same thing with Ride Force. I got to send emails or I got to do a ride. I got to do a content shoot. We got to show up. So I so appreciate and love that perspective. You're treating your business as your best friend and that you do have to show up. And kudos to you for showing up every day, every moment for doing what you need to do. I, I'm very curious to know, Taylor Ann, have you transitioned to where you are only working for your business or are you subsidizing your income to the point where you're working another job as well? Yeah, still working another job. The company launched in May of 2021. So it's still relatively new, just over a year-ish. I work full-time nine to five as a graphic designer for a local agency called Origin Media. So shout out to the Origin boys. I'm the only female in the office, <laughs> but they're a great company to work with. And they have been so understanding and love what I'm doing. And they love every opportunity for me to get out in the community, um, share the biking stories and make some really cool products. So it's been a really great, I don't know if I could be doing this with any other company. Those guys have been very supportive. So, but the income does go towards <laughs> any spare time or any spare income is going towards the right force. Remarkable because you are working two and a half, if not three full-time jobs. Anybody out there who has bootstrapped, started a business from scratch, understands is not a full-time job. This is not 40 hours a week. Yeah, It is 
every day, every moment when you are doing it on your own. Mm-hmm. And for some businesses out there, they get venture capital, some private equity, they get money from somewhere, somehow, and they might be able to take some days off, not have to work another job, full-time job like you are. <laughs> yeah. And I have the greatest respect and admiration for you, Taylor Ann, for doing what you are doing because you're passionate and understand. I like what you you said. Hey, if you don't do this, nobody else is. So you're going to do it. I got to do it. <laughs> it's yeah, it's uh, it's getting up at, you know, six or seven a.m. before I clock in at nine. It's take like I took a lunch meeting yesterday with Joe Stone from T-Town Adaptive. They're one of my partners. So had a nice, awesome lunch with them during my lunch hour. And then I go finish out the day at Origin. It's about four or five. And then I come back here and it's time to send orders and emails and whatnot until whatever time Mm -hmm. of the night and that's it every day and then weekends same thing or photo shoot time social media time so but thankfully i'm doing what i love and i absolutely love what the business is doing so i don't necessarily look at it as extra work sometimes i do when it's a lot of the invoicing and tax time but (laughs) uh, most of the time it's just getting to be creative and do something really cool and um i mean gosh the biggest reward has really been just seeing people i don't know respond to the brand or be like you've you've changed how i felt about these i've got a text from a guy in New Jersey or New York that sent me a text and was like, I am 100% sold on these jerseys. I have never felt so confident. Thank you so much for being the person to step into the industry and make something cool and different. So it's things like that, that like me, this like girl in Wyoming has reached all the way to New York, to Bellingham, to wherever is. I had another gal who in the UK is a plus size gal and she was struggling to find jerseys that fit her, found me. And then we had to custom workout away for me to get her jersey through customs but she got it and she was like oh my god i did not think this was going to fit this mm. could be this incredible but i finally have a bike jersey that i can feel confident wearing and i'm like i did that like i made you feel that way that's amazing <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's things like that i'm like i gotta keep doing it because i gotta keep i gotta keep showing up for these people mm-hmm. i just got the chills hearing <laughs> hearing you say that and i also want to give a shout out to joe stone because remarkable remarkable story with with that individual yes. and. I got, I had the honor to speak with Joe a, quite a few episodes ago and him share his his story on on here, which was awesome. Now, the products that you are making, these jerseys, is it just for mountain biking or is it for active athletic to be able to for in an oversized, you know, fit? The intention of the brand originally was just to start out in mountain biking. Uh-huh. But I have hopes and dreams that it'll transpire into a multi-sport brand, which is why it's called Ride Force, not like Bike Force or Cycle Force, whatever. Because I have the same problems with snowmobile gear. Everything is hot, pink, and too tight, and it's just not <laughs> what I want to wear. So I'm hoping to get into other sports. The other thing that I like to say is if you feel badass in it, just wear it. When I was first mountain biking, I did not know what I was supposed to be wearing. And I was just wearing Lululemon leggings because they were the most comfortable and breathable. So like, whatever. <laughs> so I've mm-hmm. had people, um, I obviously have a lot of, not every person in my life mountain bikes. My mom is a huge golfer and she loves to wear hers golfing. Brother loves riding uh, side-by-side machines in the desert, wears his far ATVing. Um, I have another bunch of friends that wear theirs like to cycling classes or hiking. I had a gal that took a couple jerseys down to Argentina for a big backpacking trip. And that's the only thing she wore because it was SPF and the most breathable. So I think they've actually kind of just turned into like all activities, outdoors, amazing shirt, even though the intention was mountain biking because nothing like this really existed in that space. And (laughs) so, yeah. And what was it like 
going through the process, Taylor Ann, to figure out, you, you just mentioned some important technical stuff about your product. What was the process to determine what features you wanted in, in your clothing? And, and also, had you ever designed something? So who do you go to to figure out how to do this? Yeah. So that was the biggest hurdle is I got into biking and then quickly realized, like, as I said, I was wearing Lululemon leggings and like running shorts and or like, I'm sorry, running shoes and a T-shirt. And it was like everybody around me was wearing like all this like super techie gear. And I'd, I would be riding at Tar Heel and I'd, these guys would be zooming past me in these super cool flowy jerseys and shorts. And they just they had look. And I was like, well, I don't look like that. So where do I get this stuff? But when I would go to the bike shops to try to find these things, you go to the women's section, I won't name the brand, but li literally that year when I was starting into this, the women's option was like this metallic snakeskin French jersey that had a seam that went like mm. right across the chest. And I was like, uh, no. And I uh, mean, extra large, I'm not that big of a gal, but like extra larges would barely fit on me. And I kept trying to buy these brands because I wanted to look cool and be a part of the scene. But when I would wear this stuff, I didn't look the way that I felt when I was biking. I felt really empowered when I was mountain biking. But when I would wear stuff, I was constantly like pulling down my shirt. Things didn't fit. I just I hated the colors. So I was wearing a lot of the men's stuff, which was fine. But I was like, there, why is there no in between here? It's either like black and grays for men's stuff that's super minimal or the women's. It's like I have to have pink florals and apparently metallic snakeskin because that's what I want as a woman. And a, a seam that goes right across the chest, which on a woman is like clearly a female was not in the sewing room on that one. So I kind of was just putting together examples of like, well, why do I like to wear my Lulu lemon stuff? And why do I like to wear this men's shirt? Because uh, I have never, I don't know how to sew. I, don't, I can't even sew a button. I have no experience in crafts. I used to paint back in like high school, but my graphic design is all print or digital. So I, I have no physical skills for building things at all. <laughs> so I basically just kind of got together well, I like this fabric on this shirt and I really like the fiber on this one or I really like the breathability on this guy. So I kind of basically just put all of my favorite shirts and things that I was wearing together and kind of like piece them together. Like, I love this, like this. I hate this about this one. And I kind of had a running list of things that I wanted. And then I was like, cool, great. Now who's going to make this? Well, the first thing you think of is Asia is where all of these manufacturers are. I looked at all the labels of all my other brands are Taiwan, Vietnam. So I was like, okay, well, this is where these guys are going. Maybe I should look into that. So just started doing a general Google search, found some manufacturers in uh, Taiwan and one in China, reached out and it was, they sent me a bunch of samples and just the fabric wasn't quite right. And then they sent me samples. And I, the whole point of the brand was to be, like you said, the more relaxed, larger fit, wanted a more unisex style, but like trying to explain that to the Asia side of manufacturing where everything is very complex. And unless you have a specific pattern, which I didn't even know what that was at the time, patterning. So they're like, well, just send us your patterns or just send us exactly dimensions. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what these dimensions are. <laughs> like, I just have this idea in my mind. So between that, the language barrier, the samples weren't quite right. And I just knew that like, if it wasn't perfect from the get-go, I wasn't going to be successful. Like I, I have one shot to get this right and for people to trust it. So it had to be perfect. So then I went back to some Facebook groups and was like, does anybody know any USA manufacturers? I just want to be able to like talk to somebody in person because I, I can't make this. I don't know how to sew a sample. So I got to like talk to somebody face to face. And thankfully, somebody had sent me a list of three different ones, one in Denver, Minneapolis, and I believe the other one was in Chicago. And then randomly called the guy in Denver 
Turns out his uncle is from Billings. So I was like, perfect. There's my sign. Uh, <laughs> He'd been to Billings, Montana before. They're an amazing team. So it's a really small manufacturer in Denver. I think he's got like... At the time we started last year, he'd only had like eight employees. And I think he's up to like 12 or 14 now. So, but super small team. So I flew down to Denver right before COVID hit and ended up getting COVID on the way home. <laughs> but sat down with him and was like, here's my bag of things like this. I like this length in this one. I like the fabric in this guy. And then I want this like cool hidden microfiber cloth thing in here. But all of these also didn't have the right like shoulder seams and things that I wanted. So we kind of just sat down. He was like, okay, cool. Took a bunch of notes and then sent them off to his seamstress who then made a pattern for us and then sent me the first sample and I was like oh this is it but the fabric still wasn't quite right so then I was like no I, I really want something super breathable because like I sweat like crazy when I ride um and he ended up sourcing this amazing fabric from a mill in northern Milan and it is this amazing buttery soft poly blend mesh and he was like yeah we can do this uh, usually we'll do like these breathable perforated patterns on like the sides or the back and I was like okay great but like I sweat everywhere like what if we made the whole jersey out of this thing and he was like ah never done that before let's try it out so uh that's kind of the unique factor about these jerseys is instead of having just a portion of it being breathable in that perforated mesh because the mess is so fine that it's like mm -hmm. fairly see-through, the entire jersey is it. So the whole thing is breathable. The whole thing has this super amazing flex and build to it. I've yet to have somebody like completely rip one apart yet from falling. Even myself took a big digger last year and just like the little perforated holes pussed out. So it's um, super durable, SPF 30, ridiculously breathable, and kind of like sweatproof basically for people like myself. <laughs> wow. I need to get my hands on one of those and try it out. Yeah. They, I, I keep telling people, I'm like, once you try it and you put it on, you're like, oh, God, this is this is it. This is the difference. And I am, thankfully, I can proudly say this, that it has been since May of 21. We've sold over 500 jerseys and I have not had a single return. Zero. That's fabulous. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> so every, like literally everybody loves these once you get your hand on one. <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. Hey, Taylor, and we're going to take a quick break to get a word from our sponsor, and then we're going to come back and talk more about how you start a clothing line and ride for us. Yeah. Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling estimates that approximately 3,662 tons of food waste are disposed of in the trash in Teton County every year. This makes food waste the next frontier material in the quest to achieve the county's goal to reduce, aiming for zero waste. For more information on Teton County, ISWR's residential and commercial food waste programs, visit tetoncountywy.gov slash recycle. Change begins with each of us, one day at a time. Taylor Ann, thank you for sharing so much about you and Ride Force and your process of how you started this brand and the fact that you care so much about people and you're looking for clothing that can be durable, it's going to be breathable, protect them from the sun. This is more than just about, hey, how do you start a business type of interview here? This is because you are a good person. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> And Ride Force is more than making these products. Yeah. Tell us more of, of what your vision is and what you're accomplishing with Ride Force. Yeah. So even though I grew up in Montana, also a Mecca for outdoor recreation and beautiful outdoors, 
I never really felt connected to the mountains. I was the art kid in high school and I kind of like took on that label and ran with it. I, I never really associated with sports or outdoor activities in any way. And that really came to light for me when I moved here to Jackson. It was one of those things where I moved here and was like, okay, like if you don't do something outdoors, like you're not, you're not going to like it here. There's not going to be anything for you to do in the summertime or off season or whatever. So biking was one of those things. I, my best friend from high school met a guy, moved to Grand Junction and he is, he literally mountain bikes to work every day. Mm. <laughs> she was telling me about mountain biking and I went to go visit her and tried it out and was like, well, this is kind of cool. Like I know how to ride a bike and it was actually really fun. And that was kind of like my first introduction of like, oh, there, I remember kind of liking that activity. So this would have been, God, when I moved here. So this would have been in 2018. I went back to Bozeman and was like, let me just buy an introductory bike. So for those that are familiar with biking, I just bought a hardtail, like the most introductory bike ever. And was like, let's just start with this. I don't know. And then when I came back here, I was <laughs> now looking back on it. What I thought was mountain biking was not mountain biking. I was literally just like riding the bike path to the airport. That one out there or like Game Creek. <laughs> like super flat and I was like oh this is it like I'm biking it's happening <laughs> and it was the um babe for the Jacksonville Bay Force now women in the Tetons that was hosting these group rides up at Cash Creek and I was like okay well I'm gonna try to meet people and try to get better at this and when I went to Cash Creek and then just riding like Hagen's Loop I was like oh wait there's like rocks and things like this is way more cool and intense than I thought it was <laughs> and mm. that's kind of like what sparked it of like oh this is this is amazing like little activity I can do here the problem for me was, aside from what I mentioned before, like not being able to find stuff that fit, I was really struggling to find people to ride with. I have a lot of anxiety and like worrying about being embarrassed or not being good enough in a space. And I didn't really find those people that like looked like me or were also just kind of starting out on biking. Uh, everybody, you know, here in Jackson is doing picnics on the weekend to the Grand and it's like very extreme. And I was like, I feel like I'm really behind here. And um, I had met some gals at one of these group rides. And they had all progressed way faster than me. I had a nine to five job. A lot of them were working part time, et cetera. But they had invited me to go for a ride back at cash. And I was like, oh, great. This will be the perfect opportunity to show up and get better and learn. Um, and I show up and they were like, yeah, we're going to ride Ferrans today. And I was like, is that like one of the hard ones? I was like, no, no, you got it. Meanwhile, I I'd literally been riding for maybe a month or two at this point. And on a hardtail, again, wearing Lululemon and running shoes, not knowing what the hell I'm doing. And they want to go on Ferrans, which for those that know is a very hard, very difficult switchback trail there. <laughs> and I ended up walking the whole thing. Nobody, none of them waited for me. I walked back to my car in the dark crying and oh. I didn't ride my bike for over a year and a half. I was like, F this. I'm not good enough. I'm not supposed to be here. And look, this is why I don't go in the outdoors because I'm not meant to be in this space. I'm not physical mm. enough. I'm not good enough and whatever. And it was during COVID when I was like, you know, thankfully us here in Jackson, we were able to go outside and recreate. And I was like, okay, well, I got to get out of the house. I got to do something. I spent this money on this bike. Maybe if I just go by myself and maybe I can get good enough just by myself. And I refused. I did not ride with people. I would not ride with my friends. I wouldn't tell people I was going. I would not invite my boyfriend. Nothing. Because I was petrified to be embarrassed or feel like people are, I'm, you know, I'm pulling the group down. I had all this anxiety and embarrassment of dragging people down and dragging myself down. Um, and then, then I had the opportunity to do a clinic with Ladies All Ride, which is an all women's mountain bike clinic that they do every summer at Tarhi. And I showed up that weekend with my little hardtail, wearing my Lululemon and my like Nike running shirt. <laughs> and I went from riding that hardtail 
barely knowing how to mountain bike on greens to then I did a wall ride at the end of this three day clinic. I was like, what? I'm like learning how to the wall ride. Oh, like like a wooden wall that I was like riding along. I was like learning how to jump and stuff by the end of this weekend. I didn't know that I just didn't have the right tools. I didn't have the right mindset and I didn't have the right idea of body position. And there was so much more things going on with biking. It's like getting on it and pedaling. Mm. There's like body position mm. and like looking ahead and like that's Literally, the, the lessons that I have learned, it's from that clinic and in biking in general. The three big ones for me are looking ahead, powering through obstacles and trusting yourself. Because when I, I when I would sit these on when I would go biking by myself, I'm like in my head being like, oh, I'm not good enough. My posture's not right. I don't know what I'm doing and getting in that headspace. But now when I bike, now that I know my body position and I'm like looking ahead and not worried about the rock that's coming up and I'm powering through it and trusting myself where that has led me now in biking is amazing but that level of empowerment that I felt for after that clinic I was like holy crap like I didn't know I could feel this way and like when does everybody else feel this way like I got to make sure everybody else feels this but at that same time I was still I still didn't see anybody that looked like me biking and like I don't consider myself plus size I'm I guess what the industry calls mid-size I'm like a size 12 14 in women's but like I didn't see anybody else that looked like me biking and so I was like, okay, well, if I don't see people like me. Maybe it's because they felt like me. Maybe it's because they didn't think that they were allowed here. They didn't have things that made them look the way that they felt when they were biking. So what if I turned my skills and what I've learned from this clinic and like what I know would work on my body and made it for everybody else? So that was kind of the impetus of it of like this. Well, if I, if I didn't have that person when I started biking that waited for me at the top, that told me you're good and you're kicking ass, keep going. Or that had an option for clothing that like made you look as good as you felt biking. So that's kind of the whole impetus of the brand is more than just what the products are, which is obviously like a high end performance product. But I really want the brand to be when you see somebody in a ride for jersey, I want you to see that person on the trail and be like, hey, I could ask them for advice. Or I know that maybe they'll, you know, I'm with these group of people that I don't really know, but man, they got a ride for jersey and I went to one of their cool group events and I know that that person will probably wait for me at the top or like encourage me or I'm with a group of people that I know that are going to support me, that are not going to like intimidate me. You're building a remarkable culture. Yeah. And a, a following of people that you know that you can always rely on. Who's going to give you a hand? Who's going to offer you support, the encouragement of you, you, you can do what you've set out to accomplish. And it's not about what other people look like. Don't compare yourself to how other people look in their clothes and zooming down the hill. It's, it's being comfortable with who you are and what you can accomplish. And now you can wear ride force doing it. Yeah. And I've had so many people when I'm at um, biking events be like, Oh, well, these are like really like they're expensive. And like, I don't know, like I'm not good enough yet for one of these. Like I'm, I'm not at that level yet. And I was like, do you think I am? I was like, I, I literally have only been biking for like two years. I just started this business. And they're like, wait, what? I thought you were like, like one of the employees, I was like, no, no, it's me. <laughs> like I, I am new to this too. Like I want people to feel like you can wear the pro stuff because why not? And also like, mm -hmm. I don't look at this brand as like a, a pros only. It, to me, it's about, it's about every, literally the slogan for the company is kind of turned into every body, two words on bikes. Like I don't, I don't care if you're pro. I don't care if you ride two wheels or three. It's all about, you know, inclusivity in every, in every manner, in every body. If you like it, then buy it. And if you feel badass in it and it makes you look good and feel good, then just buy it. <laughs> That's right. And you're 
online only. You have a website and people can buy from you online. Yeah, there's a couple of bike shops here that I work with. Um, Wheel Wranglers and Wilson Backcountry sell my stuff. And then I also did sell some stuff at uh, Hoback Sports. But um, yeah, we're trying to get, I'm sorry, Headwall Sports. <laughs> trying to get more wholesale orders, but it's really tough to pitch the brand to bike shops when my margins are high. It's a very mm -hmm. premium product. But once you hear the story and understand how it's built, I mean, I could literally tell you who sewed these things and who printed mm. them. But Fox and Troy Lee can't tell you that. You're just getting your massive purchase orders. <laughs> you know, like have I think... <laughs> you have you ever heard do you know Scott Fitzgerald and Janine? I met where did I meet him? I think I met him at like a Silicon Coulard thing. You because he's yeah. he sold the business now, right? Because he was doing that that kids book or something last yeah, time. Yeah, buddy him. pegs, but they moved to Arkansas oh. and opened up a Buddy Pegs bicycle shop in Arkansas. And so I'm going to get you to connect. No, I'd love that. Because yeah. I don't know if they sell clothing or if they have anything for adults or if they're all kids, but he'd love to, he and Janine would love to hear your story. Awesome. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful people. And they are in the biking world. For oh, sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, they, they still have their name here. So. <laughs> well, it's an iconic name uh, for the bike shop yeah. and it's been carried forward. I remember when it was started off and it was just in a little closet almost next to the right behind the brew pub yeah <laughs> that's awesome yeah and so you are now selling this you're shipping it across the world you're getting feedback you have not had a return whatsoever mm -hmm. and it sounds like the material that you are using is just ridiculously comfortable so i can just imagine wearing something like this backpacking yeah. and how nice it would feel that's breathable because everything that I've seen is, or that, that I've come across is, say, polypropylene type of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's it's to wick, but it's not really great breathable stuff. Yeah, it's not that perforated, which is what makes this one really unique. Um, the other thing mm -hmm. that I put into it, too, you mentioned backpacking. At the time that I started biking, too, because hip hydration packs don't fit my hips. So I usually wear a backpack when I ride that has a hydration pack in it. But uh -huh. the the shoulder seams, like if you see like on a normal t-shirt, you have a shoulder seam that just goes right over your shoulder. These ones are yeah. actually angled. So they go towards your neckline. So you don't get that annoying like strap rub from your backpack. Ooh. Yeah. So thought of all the things. <laughs> you did think of all the things. And it's wild to think that you give these ideas to somebody in the clothing industry and they said, we can solve that. We know how to design the shirt, sew the shirt, cut the fabric the way it needs to be cut and sewn, put it together. And you won't have that issue. Yeah, right. But it was crazy to me. I was like, why is nobody else doing this? Like, it, it was a lot of the companies were doing like one thing, but not the other. But I was like, no, I want all of it in one piece. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's been amazing to see the reaction that people have had to. Well, sometimes the big companies, they go after something for the masses. Yeah. And when you get into the niche, that's how some of this these brands do start is they find an area of it's a problem that needs to be solved and the bigger companies don't really think that it's a big enough problem to solve what is it david's razors what is the razor company oh, that started off yep and then it got bought out by i think gillette or one of those big companies and it's a lot of those stories out there that are similar and so in a few years we'll be talking to you and you've probably sold your company to Under Armour for a billion dollars. <laughs> I mean, I know I don't want to sit here and say I'm not going to say no to like millions and millions of dollars, but I think there's a really unique thing that, about me being small 
that people can DM me or call. Like I did an Instagram post the other day. I'm like, what do you guys want? Do you want shorts? Do you want party shirts? Do you want, you know, hat? like what kind of hats do you want? Because I, I can do that. Like I can take that feedback and pivot. Whereas a lot of mm-hmm. these other companies, they're just making what they're going to make and you're going to like it or you're not. But I have the flexibility to listen to my audience and actually make what they want to see and what they want to buy. Mm-hmm. And when you you have what uh, Seth Godin calls are the sneezers right now, the people who are your brand ambassadors, uh, they're going to help spread the word yeah. for you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a big portion of what I'm starting out this year is an ambassador program. I have a few different athletes from an adaptive to a couple like a gal in Bellingham, a guy in New York. And then I had this really cute kid in the UK that wanted a sponsorship. And I'm like, I don't know if I can get these jerseys to you in an affordable manner, but we'll see what I can do. But um, the biggest thing for me when I have people fill out the ambassador form again, I don't care that you're the two time champion, blah, 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 best in your commute. What I ca- Are you going out on the weekends? And helping your trails? Are you being a leader in your community? Are you, when somebody is stopped and like their tires busted and they don't know how to fix it, are you going to stop and help them? Like those are the kind of people that I want wearing these jerseys. It's way more about who you are and who you, how you represent yourself in the community than what you're doing for yourself and the medals you have on your wall. That's kind of the ambassadors mm-hmm. that I'm looking for. There you go. So anybody. The people who are going to make an impact and make a difference in other people's lives. Yeah. Caring. I mean, that's what it comes down to. It's. You know, when you see somebody with a flat tire, you pull over, whether it's on a bike or a car and you help them and say, hey, let me give you some money. No, because you know what? You're going to do it for somebody else down the road at some point. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of times it's not about recognition. It's just learning to do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. And just, yeah, because a lot of people don't have that person that shows up for them or tells mm-hmm. them they're doing a good job or that level, that little bit of encouragement. Like I, you know, there's been random times I've been out biking and I've had people, you know, I've been struggling on the uphill climb. People are like, you got it. Like, it's not that much further. And like that little, like, hey, you don't know me. Or, you know, I, there's a saying that this yoga teacher that I go to at Inversion says, she says, everybody has different 10 days ahead of them and 10 days behind them. And I think that's really important to remember when like, you don't know what this person's struggling with or what they're going through on like their ride or whatever they're doing. So like any like little bit of just helping somebody out, giving them an like, awesome encouragement, like that goes so far for so many people. And like, if my brand can be that for someone or they can throw on that jersey and feel confident for the day, like, oh, that's a win. That's a bigger win than the sale, in my opinion. You're doing the right thing, Taylor Ann. <laughs> Appreciate it. It's hard, but it's we, the right thing. <laughs> we need more people like you spreading spreading the gospel, spreading the word <laughs> out in out in the world yeah. of hey, come on, do the right thing. And it's not a matter of the recognition or putting it on what you see on social media, any of that nature. I mean, you, you need social media to help build your business and yeah. get the word out. But it's it's not about the glitz and the glamour of it. It's just being a person. Yeah. Yeah. And I would imagine you are probably pretty tired at the end of the day, but you also are probably energized and feel so rewarded. Yes. And there's like there's always these new exciting opportunities and like the brand is still so fresh and new. I'm like, oh, I just I can't even fathom what the next five years are going to look like. And it's so exciting to see where it's going to go. And next month I'm going to Sea Otter Classic for those that know it's a massive mountain bike event in Monterey, California. And I'm like, oh, the people I'm going to meet there and the opportunities and just like just getting a chance to talk to people in a completely different state about what I'm doing and hopefully inspire them because they live in a hot af temperature compared to me so are these gonna work for you and yeah I've, these ama- i have a new amazing partnership with another adaptive nonprofit in kootenai so i'm getting into canada now which is amazing so yeah it's definitely like i go to sleep and it's like the to-do list 
is ever growing, but it's also like, oh, but like what opportunities is this going to bring? Who is this going to inspire? And where is this thing going to take off? It's just, it's super exciting. I'm excited for you. And I look forward to con continually following in your path and seeing your, your great success and how you're going to impact people's lives. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. So Taylor Ann, how can people reach out and connect with you and find RideForce? Ride-Force.com. Our Instagram at RideForce. LinkedIn is me, Taylor Ann. Facebook, RideForce, all the things. <laughs> or yeah, if you want to be an ambassador or get in touch or you have a, I can do custom jerseys. I can do all kinds of cool co-brands. If you have some cool idea in mind or have an event, Taylor Ann at Ride-Force.com. Email me. It, again, any for any contact you have of Ride Force is me. So if you find it in somewhere on the internet, it's me. <laughs> so it's Taylor Ann at ride-force.com. Yes. Okay. Taylor Ann, thank you for taking the time. And I'm honored that this is the first podcast that you've done. Yeah. And this will be the first of many, many podcasts. I'm hopeful. You, you started the momentum. <laughs> it, hey, it only takes one. One gets you started, right? Yes, yes. And I really appreciate the opportunity to tell the story. And yeah, I'm hoping it inspires some people or if anything, um, maybe inspires people to go out and turn someday into day one. Get started That's with right. your ideas. <laughs> That's right. Well, Taylor Ann, go have a wonderful day and keep doing the remarkable work of changing people's lives for the better. Awesome. Thank we'll hopefully see some of you out there on the trails in Red Force. Yeah. Great. Thanks, Stefan. <laughs> You're welcome, Taylor Ann. Bye-bye. To learn more about Taylor Ann and the Ride Force brand, visit the Jackson Hole Connection.com episode number 232. Folks, get out there and share this podcast with your friends, family, neighbors. Everybody can learn a little bit by listening to other people's stories. We can all make a great impact on our lives and the lives of people around us. Thank you, Michael, for doing all of the editing and marketing for this podcast. And of course, to my wife, Laura, my boys, Lewis and William. I look forward to seeing you back here for the next episode of the Jackson Hole Connection. And I am truly grateful for the time that you've spent with me today. Cheers till next week, folks.